feel like we could have done like a backdrop of Marshall Stacks back here would have been, you know, appropriate. I have one to contribute, but morning. It's good to see you guys. Glad to have you here. Glad to be together. All those things. Um, quick, uh, just a quick thing uh, that's not probably on Ben's list, but I want you to know about it in case you might be interested in being a part of it. Uh, is uh, on the 21st, October the 21st. Uh, isn't it crazy it's October? That's nuts. Um, anyway, um, October 21st, that's a Saturday. That Saturday day, and this is going to be kind of an all-day deal. Of course, you could you know, come help for a little while and head out or whatever. In fact, I think that'd probably be just fine. Um, but if you would be interested, I'm looking for a few people that would be, like to uh, come and serve others here at our building. We've got, uh, there's, a, there's a ministry called Reboot uh, that actually um, does uh, some great work with uh, veterans uh, and works specifically with uh, them in uh, overcoming PS, uh, PTSD. Uh, it's a great study that they do, a great program that they have. We used to have uh, a reboot that met here. I uh, would love to see that happen again. Um, one of the things that a lot of people don't know about Reboot is Reboot is actually located out of Pleasant View, uh, but it is nation well worldwide, even but nationwide uh, in what the in what they do uh, all throughout churches. And basically, they're having a conference on the 21st uh, for other people that help lead uh, Reboot. Uh, groups all over the place, and they are coming here to have their conference. They wanted to be able to, uh, they, they said in the past, they've gone to big cities and done big, uh, uh, in big places and some of that kind of stuff, and they just really kind of wanted to do like a, uh, you know, in our hometown type of field type of thing, uh, and asked if they uh, could do that here, and we have a great relationship with them, and we said we'd love for you guys to do that. Um, what I'm looking for is just people that, you know, know how to make coffee here and, you know, can stand at the door and say hello. And I mean, nothing crazy. Uh, you know, you don't even have to stay the whole time or whatever, but that's happening. So um, you can go tell them at the welcome desk that you are interested. They will look at you like you're crazy because they don't have any kind of list for that up there, but you can go tell them. Uh, and, uh, but uh, no, if, if, uh, if, you, if you'd like to help us out, uh, that would be awesome, and you can. Uh, I would like to know that we've got some bases covered, especially like the coffee and some of that kind of stuff. But uh, uh, it's all day, morning, morning to seven at night. So you know, I, I think they get here at eight or nine or something like that. That's details, Rich. Uh, y'all, <laughs> y'all know better. I'll know better than ask me stuff like that. Terrible with that. Like it would be that day. Show up, we'll be all right. Um, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's going to be a cool thing. So uh, anyway, that's happening October 21st. Well, let's jump into this. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to the book of Romans. Uh, we started our series on Romans last week, uh, more specifically Romans chapter 8. And uh, this week uh, we're continuing in our Not Condemned uh, series uh, and uh, already have had a had a lot of people talk to me about last week, and uh, you know, I, I think as a whole, this would be great. Uh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles. Let them bring you one. Just throw your hand up. Let them know that you need it. If you don't own one, you can keep that one. We'd love for you to take it with you. Uh, but Romans chapter eight is where we are going today. Uh, last week we talked about you know being safe. Um, I shared a story last week. Uh, 
Uh, you know, I, I kind of about was back and forth about whether to share that story. I'm so glad I shared that story uh, about uh, a, a lady that we got to minister to that was in an abusive situation uh, and have had several people come talk to us that have been in those situations, even one in a situation. Um, uh, God, it's just amazing to me how God takes something like that. I don't know why that, that should be so surprising to me uh, that, uh, that that would be how God would use that that day, but that's not, that was not what I was looking for. Um, and uh, he just has a way of doing crazy things like that. But uh, uh, anyway, I'm grateful, grateful that we did, grateful that we get to continue to encourage and come alongside people in, in situations like that and other things as well. Uh, and if you are in a situation like that and you, you need help, uh, you want to come talk to us, we would love to help you. Uh, you know, just let us know. Uh, we're here. We love you. We're glad you're here. Um, this morning, this uh, passage that we're looking at uh, is Romans 8, 5 through 8. We're taking on another four verses today. We took on four verses last week. Uh, we're taking on four verses today. Um, and we've, we've got some work to do to, to get through these verses. Um, but I, I want to ask you a question and that question is, what is always on your mind? What is always on your mind? What's on your mind? You know, I, I, when I, I really should have just made it be what's on your mind. But as soon as I was writing that this week, I immediately could not stop myself from going Willie Nelson on it, right? So some of you don't know who Willie Nelson is, and that's, you're always on my mind. Okay. Um, kids are like, oh, great. Um, okay. But no, this is, a, this, is a, this is a great question for us because our minds and what are on our minds dictate so much of what we do and the trajectory of the decisions that we make, uh, you know, from moment to moment. Um, and that's, that's in essence where this kind of goes today in this passage where Paul is writing uh, you know, this understanding of what we set our minds on, okay? And so Romans 8, I'm just going to go ahead and read Romans 8, 5 through 8, and then we're going to go through and talk about it. Romans 8, verse 5 says this. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So last week, we looked at verses 1 through 4. And verse 4 kind of helps set up where we're going today. So I want to go back and actually want to read verse 4 to you right now, if that's okay. Verse 4 from last week, and just right before this passage, right? Verse 4, it says, In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, I love that, uh, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So, you know, last week we talked about this in, in great detail, and we talked about you know, the idea of not walking in the flesh, but walking in the spirit. And today we've kind of, we're kind of taking a different approach uh, to cut, you know, the same cake, so to speak. Um, I just made that up. I've never heard that statement in my life. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. 
but, uh, but, but the understanding that we, you know, are to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh uh, is, is, is a great statement for us. Uh, and, you know, if, if you're a believer, if you're not a believer, if you're not a believer today, there's going to be some, I hope, some eye-opening pieces of truth for you today to understand and what it means that you don't know Jesus, okay? And so, and, and, and please know that as I'm sharing these things today, I'm not sharing them in any such a way as to try to create guilt uh, or make you feel bad or anything like that. But I want you to have a biblical truth understanding, okay, of if you are in the situation of being a believer, what you and God can kind of expect, you know, as far as a relationship goes, because it's very limited uh, as a non-believer. If you, if you are not in Christ, if you are not in the Spirit, uh, then there's a lot of things that you do not get to enjoy that believers get to enjoy in a relationship with Jesus. And, and it's unfortunate, but I want you to know about it because uh, if you don't know about it, I'm afraid you may go on continuing to, you know, follow in that way. And instead of, you know, turning toward Christ and allowing him to, to save you and, and work this great, amazing thing in your life. Um, so Paul teaching here, you know, and kind of setting this up, uh, you know, who, you know, that, uh, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And even before that, that statement in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, that the work of Jesus on the cross culminates in the saving power that happens in us when we come to Jesus is completely amazing to me. I mean, he could just like whip up this like little like saving present, right? And then just give it to us and boom, you're saved. And he doesn't do it that way. There's, there's this something special, something spiritual about how he wanted to fulfill what he was doing on the cross through an empty tomb before going back to be with the Father, all these things and leaving us with the Spirit that would culminate in us. And it says, I'll read it again, and this is again, verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so then we pick up our passage today. And Paul goes on teaching here in this passage in a way that feels very much like a warning, and I think, I think that it is. And hence why I'm, 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 you know, approaching the banks of some of this, you know, for unbelievers today and hoping that they can get a better understanding of where they stand with the Lord, okay? But verse 5, let's look at that. Verse 5, we go back to it, and it says this. It says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh... But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now, the word flesh here, I think, I think it's important for us to kind of differentiate because obviously the word flesh here could, could mean a couple of different things. And I want us to get an understanding of what Paul is talking about here. He is not talking about skin and bones and muscle and all that stuff, okay? Here's what Everett Harrison says about that. He's, he's saying that Paul's saying... It's the ethical force of the word referring to human nature as corrupted and weakened by sin. I'll read that again. It's the ethical force of the word referring to human nature as corrupted and weakened by sin. 
not skin and muscles. He's talking about us morally, where we are, our soul, right? Our nature, our sinful nature, that we fall to that, all right? You know, it goes back to one of our favorite statements that we love to make fun of at 24, follow your heart. There have been a lot of discussions about this in our church over the years. Used to, you'd go into somebody's house and they'd, you know, they'd have the words on the wall. Maybe you still have the words on the wall. I'm going to make fun of you. Get ready. And so, you know, but you go in there and, it, you know, it says like, you know, follow your heart or something like that, you know, and it's, you know, to, to do it Southern, it's your heart, you know, you know, why you are, uh, you know, but uh, it's follow your heart. Uh, the truth is, is that scripture helps us to understand something and that's this, that our hearts are sinful and will lead us astray. And if we follow our hearts, it's not the same as following Jesus, okay? And that's important for us to understand because oftentimes our hearts want to lead us astray and where Jesus is trying to lead us, where the Spirit is trying to lead us is counteractive from where we want to go because we're trying to do it our way, right? We've got to be careful with that. We just have to have the understanding that that is there. How we live is brought up here in this, in this verse right here. I want to read that verse to you again. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, and those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. You, you see what we see there, right? That there's a living out, you know, but the living out comes from where the mind is, right? So for those who live according to the flesh... They set their minds on the things of the flesh. So it is because they have set their minds on the things of the flesh that they are living in the flesh. And then furthermore, it goes on, it says, but those who live according to the Spirit, well, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And that's because, same thing, they've set their minds on the things of the Spirit, and therefore they're living, right, with the Spirit. And so for us just to even kind of Think for just a minute. Like, what's, what's going on in the battlefield of our minds? Like, what are we allowing to be in our minds? And, and, and we're all guilty in some, in some form or fashion, okay? I'm always preaching to myself, by the way. So, you know, if you think I just suddenly, like, zoned in on you, just know that I didn't. I'm zoning on me, okay? Um, and so, you know, for us to just even kind of be honest with ourselves, what things do we allow in, you know, and I think you can go, you know, overboard to some degree with some of these things. But let's just be honest. Like, if we're not taking in Jesus, if we're not taking in his word, if Sunday morning is the only time that you take in the word of God, good luck. Because you've got another, what, seven and a half, three-quarter days of your week still to go of you're putting something in. You're setting your mind on something. What are you setting your mind on? It's not necessarily all bad stuff. We went through a series here a couple years ago called uh, Counterfeit Gods. And it was just talking about how we take good things and make idols out of them. We'll make idols out of our kids. We'll make idols out of a job. We'll make idols out of, I mean, just anything. A relationship. 
you know, attaining something, to own something, to achieve something, to be seen as, as a certain way in the eyes of others. Like that we care so much about what other people think about us that like that's all we think about. You see how Satan uses that to just, just strike us almost immovable and unusable for the kingdom of God? Versus when we think on the things of God, when we set our minds to the things according to the Spirit, what happens? Good things happen in our heart. You know, I don't want to make it sound like good things just happen all around us. I mean, sometimes good things happen around us, but still, we still live in a fallen world. We still live surrounded by sinners. We're still a sinner, right? The difference for us is we've been saved by his grace over someone who's never trusted in Jesus as their Savior. So for us this morning, I think this is a huge piece of the puzzle for us to get. You know, and, and, and a lot of this really does start with in the mind, where we set our minds. You know, and, and you can take the little things like, you know, your outlook on life kind of stuff, like is the glass half full kind of stuff. You can do that. that. That's, I mean, that's a small piece of it. But at the end of the day, the question is really, are we setting our minds on the things of God? Are we setting our minds on him? And folks, I, I'm here to tell you, I struggle with this. I know we all struggle with this. Because how God created us in our desire to worship something which is supposed to be him, going back to the counterfeit God thing, we will in turn take something that is good, turn it into an idol, and worship it until we have slayed it, you know? Oh, man, we finally got that job done. Or we, you know, we finally, you know, attained that relationship or whatever it is. I'm just here to tell you that all those things can be good if they become God to us, if they become all we think about, if that's all we set our minds to, we're missing out on huge blessings from God. Huge things that he wants to do in our lives. Huge things he wants to lead us in, to minister to others, to do great things for his kingdom. Keller says this, says those things to which the spirit draws attention, the mind, I'm sorry, to mind the spirit would be to be preoccupied by the things that preoccupy the spirit. Let me read that again. Those things to which the spirit draws attention to mind the spirit would be to be preoccupied with the things that preoccupy the spirit. What in the world do you think preoccupies the Spirit? I'm, I'm thinking top of that list is God's glory. I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's, it's mostly about making Him known. I'm thinking it's, it's pointing others to Him, loving others, right? Caring for others, ministering to others. But not just for the sake of like trying to make ourselves feel good or to make them feel good even. 
but that they might know Jesus. Or if they do know Jesus, that they might be reminded of the truth of the Scriptures, that they might be reminded of the truth of Christ and the truth of what the Spirit wants to do in us. Because we need to be reminded of this. Because left to our own, what are we going to do? We're just going to wander over here and be like, oh, hey, I like this acoustic guitar. That's a Martin, and I love Martins. Let's just make our life about Martin guitars. And that sounds silly, but that's what we do, right? We find something to give our adoration to and our worship to. Verse 6, it goes on. I want you to look at this. It says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. I love that. I don't love the first part, I mean, but it's truth, okay? For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Now, I want to read to you what the ESV study Bible had uh, for this. And it said this, it said, To set the mind on the flesh means to think continually and constantly desire the things characteristic of fallen, sinful human nature. That is to, ju- to think just the way the unbelieving world thinks, emphasizing that it thinks important, uh, what it thinks important, pursuing what it pursues in disregard of God's will. And the truth is, is that we all struggle with that. If you don't struggle with that, I want to hang out with you this week. Let's get together and have some chicken. It better be hot. And this is us. This is the struggle of our sinful hearts that we, we immediately want to go to the flesh, right? For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. Well, that's, that's what everybody's looking for, you know? few people over here going, yeah, I'll take some death. That sounds real good. Let's give me, a, give me a side of that, you know, with my day. Life and peace come to us when we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. When our minds are preoccupied with the things that preoccupy the mind and the heart of God. This is a mental process for us, the setting of our minds. That's both concentration and desire. And, and the desire comes, I really believe, from the promises of God. Verse 5 and 6 here, the first two verses that we've studied here in this passage, differentiate the two spiritual states of people, life and death. The truth is, I have been made alive in Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in me. But I was once dead in my sin and separated from God. Did you know this? Here's where I was talking about earlier about, you know, stuff that maybe unbelievers don't realize. That unbelievers are separated from God. If you don't have a relationship with him, 
you've not received Christ as your Savior, if you've never believed in Jesus to save you, then you are separated from God. I got to tell you, I can't imagine living this life separated from God. The single greatest thing outside of my salvation and gift form that God, I believe, has done for us is allowing us to have a relationship with him. It is also the number one thing that I think, if we're all honest with ourselves, that so many of us just completely miss. We have the ability to call on God at any time if we are in Christ, if we are a believer. Now, for a non-believer, that's not necessarily true. They can pray. I think God hears their prayers, but their sin separates them from him as an enemy. We'll see that here in a little bit in Scripture. He doesn't want that to be the case. He sent Jesus to die for you, right, to give you life in him, right? But for those of us that are already believers, we have the ability to call on God any time. We can phone a friend in the God of all creation any time. And how little we use that, right? Like, because if I, if I told you, hey, I got, I got all these phone numbers of all these people that you really look up to, may they be famous or good at your occupation or whatever it may be, you'd be like, oh man, what can I do to get that phone list? I just want to call some of those people, right? I want to talk. I've got questions for them. And, we, and we've got the ability to do that with the Lord of all, right? I was dead in my sin. I was separated from God. But thank God for Jesus. In him, I get life and peace. When I set my mind on the things of the Spirit, I get even more of that life and peace. What we're seeing here in verse 5 and 6 is we're seeing a differentiation between a believer and a non-believer, okay? That's what this is about. This is about life and death, right? Paul is making this point because he doesn't want people to go on in their sin and without Christ, he wants them to understand and know. I want to share with you Colossians 3. I couldn't not share this. Uh, verse 1, because of this passage, is too close. And it says this. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are here, that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 2 there, so strong. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Do you, you know how hard that is? That is so extremely hard. Like, Chris, I still got to work. I still got a family. I, you know, I, I want to, you know, I want to enjoy these things that God has given me. 
but I don't want to set my mind completely on them, right? And that's the struggle for us, is because we take our worship and just with the blink of an eye, like turn it from the Lord to, oh, that thing, right? But the more we spend time with the Lord, the more we seek Him, the more we set our minds on Him, the more our hearts change. There comes the desire. You see, God, God doesn't want us doing this out of guilt. This is not a, this is not a, a guilt thing. Oh, I'm going to guilt everybody today into trying to, you know, ah, forget that. It's not helpful. It's not what the Lord wants. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants to have a relationship with us. Verse 7 goes on. It says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Hostile to God. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. This is the enemy piece of this for a non-believer, for someone who's never trusted in Christ. This is where you would be. I've, I've been there. We've all been there, okay? So before you start throwing yourself a pity party and being like, oh, they're, you know, he's beating up on me today. I'm not. I promise you I'm not. I'd love to see anybody that is not a believer trust in Jesus today. That God would do the work in your heart, lead you by his spirit to help you to see your need for a savior, your need for forgiveness of sin, right? And, and even better, or I don't know if it's better, but a huge part of that is that he gives us new life. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. I, we don't want to be in a place where we're hostile to God, okay? It says, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It cannot. If you're not a believer, but you're trying to be a Christian, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. In fact, not only is it not going to work, but the process in which God works in a believer's heart and helps them to understand more and more about who he is, this process of sanctification, of making us and growing us closer to who he is. We're still sinners, right? We're not going to be God. We're never going to attain that. But he does make us more holy, so to speak. And, you know, this idea of what God is doing in us as believers is this huge blessing of growing in our faith. And if you're not a believer, you're not getting to experience that just by just continuing to try to do Christian things. Okay? God wants your heart. Bottom line, He wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants to do a work in you and through you that saves you and brings you to a place where you are getting to enjoy those words, life and peace, not death, right? A mindset on the flesh is treating God and the desires of his spirit as an enemy. Don't, 
Don't stay there. Run. Run to Jesus. Verse 8 goes on and says, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Unbelievers cannot please God. They are not free from sin. They do not have the Spirit in them to lead them. That's a huge piece of the puzzle. We're not, believer, believers, we're, we're, we're not doing this alone. The Spirit is in us. If we know Christ, the Spirit is in us and is leading us, as long as we're letting Him do that, right? But furthermore, this understanding that the Spirit leads us, this is huge. We're not doing this alone. And what we see here in verses 7 and 8 is we see two attitudes of people. We see hostility and peace. Two different types of people, hostility and peace. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in the hostility thing. Praise God, I'm not anymore because of Christ, because of what he's done in me. And it's not something that I could do for myself. It's not a matter of how good I was to get Jesus to love me or any of that. I just flat out was a sinner and needed Jesus. And he loved me and he died on the cross for me to take the death that my sin deserved. That I might be forgiven. That I might be given new life. Without the Spirit, I would be hostile toward the things of God, unable to please Him. With the Spirit, with Christ, I have life and peace. A new life right now with purpose and meaning and peace. How would you like some peace in your life? Could you handle a little peace? Even just a little bit? How about a lot of it? How about, how about peace that is so good that nothing in this world can shake it when we have it? When our minds are set on the spirit and not on the flesh, we as believers have the, one of the biggest blessings from the Lord, the ability to have a peace that surpasses all the things of this world. It doesn't even make sense to have it in some of the moments that I have seen some of you walk through in your lives. But I know where it comes from. You didn't conjure it up on your own. It came from Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this. It says, The natural person does not attempt, I'm sorry, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Without Jesus, there's a lot about our faith that will not make sense to an unbeliever. There has to be the moment of faith, the moment of belief, then the Spirit coming in and beginning to reveal what these things mean. Try as you might. There are tons of people and have been for 
ever in a day who know all kinds of truth about the scriptures that have studied the scriptures they know it they know it well they know it better than a lot of christians i know right but don't know jesus don't fall into that knowledge is not the whole thing it's part of it in us there has to be a working of the holy spirit a moment when God saved us. That's why I'm so careful. And you hear me say statements sometimes like, you know, we can't get our faith from just, you know, well, we just always grew up in church. Or my daddy was a preacher. Or, you know, my grandmama just, you know, she always talked about Jesus. You know, there, at some point, there's on, on our end of the deal, there's a belief that we believed, that we trusted, that we put faith in Christ. But don't get me wrong. Jesus is the one that does the work. The rest of Romans 8 as a whole actually shares uh, and sheds light on what it would look like for us to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. I don't want to spoil the rest of the chapter, so I'm not going to give you the verses, but I, I want to give you some of the things that they are. And, you know, if you go look, find them on your own, that's fine. But it's these three things that really stick out when it comes to the setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. And the first thing that helps us do that uh, is that we remember that in Christ we are adopted. That in Christ we are adopted. The second thing is that in us, he removes fear and assures us of our belonging to him. He removes fear and assures of us, assures us of our belonging to him. Uh, and then the third thing is that we are welcome to be with him, to spend time with him, to grow in a relationship with him. These are promises, okay? These are promises, and they're great promises. In fact, I, it jogs my memory to think of a message that I heard Piper share, and he was talking about how one time he was out of town, and he was at a pastor's house, and uh, where he'd been, I think he'd been speaking at that church or at, at a conference or something, but he had stayed with this family, he'd stayed with this pastor's family. And uh, he was in the kitchen, he was getting ready to go, and, and he looked over the over the sink in the kitchen and there posted on the wall right behind the sink were these very key promises of God. And he turned and he looked at his friend's wife and he said, hey, what's this? And she said, that right there is where I do battle spiritually every day. I think that we forget the promises that God has made to us. In fact, I'll say this. If you're in a storm right now, if you're in a moment right now in life where you're just like, I just don't even know. You feel your faith maybe even beginning to waver, okay? And that's normal, okay? Don't be ashamed of that. Let me encourage you to do this. Go look up promises of God. I'm talking about from the scriptures, okay? 
Now, you can look them, you can Google them on the internet, all right? That's fine. But just make sure they're from the Bible, okay? Not like first opinions chapter uh, or something, right? I've been there, and I have done that. And that has helped pull me out of some of the craziest moments of my life where I have really struggled in my faith. The downside for unbelievers that we see throughout this passage is, uh, for unbelievers that we see in this passage is um, that four things, and they're not, they're not good, okay? And again, I'm not trying to beat up on you, but I want you to know the truth. Hostile toward God, insubordination to his law, this is all from Keller, by the way, failure to please God, and death, separated from God. Whatever we let preoccupy our minds controls our lives. Whatever we let preoccupy our minds controls our lives. What is always on your mind? I just did this myself yesterday. Yesterday, somebody called me. They needed to talk about some things. It's one of our deacons, and uh, they just needed to share some stuff. We've been doing this thing where our, our deacons are taking on uh, members to check on and that kind of thing because the church is growing to a place where it's just tough for the staff to try to keep up with folks, and we, we do want to keep up with folks the best we can. Uh, and so, uh, but they were just calling to, you know, share some stuff and, and go over some things. And, and one of the people that they were sharing about was somebody that hadn't, hadn't been to church in some time and uh, quite, quite a long time, to be honest. And, uh, and they just said, you know, I got on the phone with them and, and, you know, they were just really upset toward the church and it felt like that, you know, we haven't cared for them and that kind of thing. And I, you know, I, I just got to be honest with you, and this is just, this is a sinful part of me. It's, it's the part of like trying, you know, being a caring pastor, and then it is the sinful part of me like I'm going to fix it, okay? And I know better, but you still, you go there. And I let that, I set my mind on that almost the rest of the day. In the middle of me studying for today, I set my mind on that, and it absolutely owned me. And I let it. And I prayed, and I'd stop, and I'd try to quit thinking about it, and then I'd come back to it. And it's partly because I care, and partly because I, I just don't want, I don't want something like that to be, I want people to be upset toward Jesus' church. I don't want people to be out of fellowship with the church either. I mean, it's just, there's all sorts of parts of that, I guess. But over-worry, over-worry is to forget God's promises. It's forgetting the things of the Spirit. And it's this reminder that we need to set our minds on the things of the Spirit, who He is, how amazing God is. Not just good things, but God Himself. Like to spend time thinking about Him, how amazing his, He is, how amazing His promises are. What are His promises? The things that He wants to do around us who he's wanting to save, who he's wanting to rescue, how he might want to use us in part of that. This should be where our hearts are set. This should be where our minds are set. This, this, Jesus, should be our treasure. And don't think that if it's not, 
that our actions won't change, they will. Our actions will change. How we see people will change. We'll start giving grace to people that people around us will be like, what did you do that for? Right? And for the unbeliever, I share with you the greatest news of all time. Ephesians 2, 4. And when I understood this at the ripe old age of 13, 14 years old in my life, God changed me. And it says this, it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You believe in that today. In your heart, you believe in that today. And God can save you today. Let's pray together. God, I pray right now for those of us that are believers that, Lord, that we, Lord, help, we need your help to help us set our thoughts, to set our minds on you, on the things of the Spirit, on the work you've done, on your promises, on your word. God, help us to see how drastic the change in our life could be in what you want to do and, and the blessings that you have for us, that they're, that they're not small, but God, great things that you want to do in our lives. God, help us to see that. God, I pray this morning, Lord, for anyone who is not a believer, who's never trusted in Jesus. God, I pray that today they would trust in you, today that they would believe, that today that they would recognize that you being rich in mercy because of the great love with which you loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, you made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. God, I pray, Lord, that they would cling to that grace today, that they would cling to that truth today and turn and say, God, save me today. Forgive me today. Give me a new life today with meaning and purpose and use me for your kingdom. God, use us for your glory. We ask this today in your son's name. Amen. If you'd like to talk about what it means to know Jesus as your Savior, please, I'll be in the foyer. I would love to talk to you.